is the most humble personality that I've ever seen with this kind of resume. And he could say, oh yeah, I learned a ton from Kevin Stefanski last year. You combine that continuity just with Kubiak's coaching style and even just his personality as well. And I think that means big things for Kurt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am your host, Cy Amundsen, and today's podcast is brought to you by Verizon, the network more people rely on gives you more. Uh, Vikings Verizon training camp is on their last week of shorts and shells, and that means full practice is right around the corner. Uh, Next Monday, there will be a practice that will be available to – the public in a number of ways. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the media officially gets a look at practice starting tomorrow. And joining me today to talk about all things preseason and training camp related. Uh, to the left of me from the Vikings Entertainment Network, Chris Corso. To the other left of me, Jay Nelson. And an extra person on the show today from Vikings.com. Uh, joining us to help talk about things, Lindsay Young. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, thanks for having me on. No problem. You get an intro that you get to respond to. Jay and Chris are here every week. I don't care uh, if they say hello. We're just we're just stuck with each other. We're like three old men that accidentally bought like a timeshare together, and then none of us can get out of it, so we just begrudgingly go to Costa Rica for eight days every year and just come home and complain to our wives about one another. So you, you get the benefit of friendly up top and we just, we'll just keep looking at each other this way. Uh, we're happy to have you as Corso takes no fun or humor in that uh, piece of information. Guys, let's, let's start. Christopher, Everson Griffin is a Dallas Cowboy. And, you know, it finally has happened. A lot of players have found themselves in this position where they're, they're playing such a long waiting game to, to wind up someplace. I know a lot of Viking fans, myself, I'll be honest, included, was really hoping he might wander back onto, uh, onto our fields. But it looks like he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, it's amazing. I saw a tweet the other day, Cy, that said, Everson Griffin has played more games with the Vikings than Adrian Peterson did in his career which, just to think about that, I mean, that is unbelievable. Drafted in 2010 out of USC, pick number 100 in the fourth round. I think he could have been a first-rounder with what he did with the Minnesota Vikings. 74 and a half sacks, just an absolute monster. They, they call him the sack daddy for a reason. But the main thing that stuck out to me was how many players, how many members of the staff um, sent him well wishes and put out their, their well wishes to him on social media because clearly – no one can rile up the huddle in the pregame like Everson Griffin. You no, know, I was I was telling that to somebody. You know, it might have been I, I was on the fan today talking with Nordo about Everson, and and maybe I said it there. Maybe this was a private conversation with someone. But I I remember being at a preseason game last year, and just watching him in the preseason on the sideline interacting with the defense it was it was incredible and and Lindsay is somebody who's down on the field for a lot of these things he kind of in terms of Vikings history you have to go a long way to find an energy that's even close to matchable 
Yeah, I mean, for me, even, you know, I born and raised Minnesotan, so I've watched the Vikings my whole growing up. Um, obviously watched Everson before I ever worked for the team. And then when I came on and worked for the team, I'm like, okay, his energy is real, you know, it's genuine. And just like you said with preseason games, like he's just as hyped for a preseason game that he might not play in as he is for, you know, the season opener. Um, and I feel like Vikings fans, you know, you think of that kind of energy and hype level and you think of someone like John Randall. Um, and I see some similarities there between their pregame, you know, their warmups, their routines, how they got their teammates um, jazzed and ready for the game. So, I mean, that part is – I think for every Vikings fan, you know, one of your favorite things about Everson. I remember anytime I, John Randall was an incredible player and, and did so many incredible things. But anytime anybody says his name, especially in this context, I can only think of one single thing. Do you remember that playoff game? I don't know what year it was, but I was like a 17 or 18 year old kid. We played the New Orleans Saints in the Metrodome. That was the game where Randy Moss took two bubble screens and housed them, right? And, and I remember – I remember, and I don't even know who the quarterback for the Saints was, but I remember late in the game, John Randall getting into the backfield, getting a sack, and then crawling around on all fours like he was a dog and lifting his leg like he was marking his territory on the quarterback he sacked. And I, that was – I thought that was so funny. But you're right. You're right. Everson has that same vibe. Jay, they, the, the Cowboys obviously wanted to replace the loss of Robert Quinn, who went to a place that he didn't need to. I don't think Chicago needed more defensive linemen. You guys, why don't we just, why don't we just uh, uh, go back in time and throw Lawrence Taylor? Let's put him in the DeLorean and bring him back, and the Bears can sign him in the offseason while we're at it. But it's, he's, he's joining a defensive line that has Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Alden Smith, Tyrone Crawford, Randy Gregory, I kind of a lot of names and a lot of experience. How do you think he fits? That's always the question in Dallas, right? Dallas and the Raiders tend to be a, a duo of teams that love to grab the the high value and glitzy uh, free agent guys. And I think a guy like Everson, if you remember Dallas last year, even playing Dallas last year, Part of Dallas's problem they had with us was stopping the run. They had a really hard time dealing with Dalvin. And one of the things that Everson is very good at is getting upfield and rushing, rushing the passer. At the same point, he's pretty dang solid in the run game too. Biggest issue Dallas is going to have is the same issue they have every single season, which is can they put it together on both sides of the ball and for a kind of a murderer's row that they have here with all the players you listed plus Everson. I think he'll be a good part of that defense for them. It just depends on one, how engaged he is, which as we just talked about, that's not something you've had to worry about with him, but how much are the rest of the guys around him engaged with him? So if he can be that infectious spark for that Dallas defense, you know, that might actually be a big problem for the rest of the NFC to deal with this year. Which means you know, it could be interesting week 11. When they come yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say it could be it could be a problem for us on November 22nd, which will be the one week that I am not rooting for Everson Griffin. I, you know, I want to bring up something else, too. And this this is what I touched on on KFAN today with Nordo is he, he's one of my favorite Vikings that I can remember. And there are two things. I don't know any Viking fan who doesn't have the memory of him when the Minnesota miracle happened and they tried to interview him 
on camera and he was like a disaster he couldn't even speak he couldn't talk you might as well it was like it was like an excitable ricky bobby it was the greatest moment he was so happy and i that is that is as tied into that memory as almost every any part of it the other thing for me is so i've if you listen to my comedy or anything I do, it, you very quickly find out that I deal with some mental health issues. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, I have some anxiety issues. And, you know, the interesting thing with the mental health community is it's, it's long dealt with being stigmatized. You know, there's always, and it's been one of weakness. And I think specifically when you are talking about really masculine and manly pursuits i.e the physical sports and the outdoor activities and the you know cars and fighting and you know this and that those worlds really have not been kind to the mental health world throughout history and so to see everson griffin go through what he went through uh, off the field to see him not only a come out on the other side of it really well but also to see the entire organization, the team, his teammates, the coaches, the, the, the staff, the owners, everybody rally around him. And, and more importantly for me, to watch this entire state when it happened, I, I expected there to be a lot of he's crazy, he's this, he's that. There wasn't. It was nothing but take it. We love football, but please go get right. Please take care of yourself. Please be healthy. Everybody wanted him to turn out well as a human being. And I think for a lot of people who deal with mental health issues, and I won't speak on anyone's behalf, but God, that was this just amazing moment. And it was this amazing, I mean, I just basically showed how far we've come. It showed where we were at even 15 years ago and where we're at now. And I think for other adult you know even children as well but adult men and women who struggle with these things and often feel isolated and feel weak i i just thought the way our he our state and our team handled that that'll that to me puts him on the list of all-time vikings because i i think it's crucial for the community chris absolutely and the biggest thing you'll hear the players you'll hear daniel hunter attribute his whole career to everson griffin i mean everson really took on that elder role when Brian Robinson retired, that was that was the the player who took on the leadership role of the locker room, who took on the leadership role of the pregame speech. Kirk tries to do a few pregame speeches, doesn't work out too well. Back to Everson doing the pregame speeches. So, um, no, I'm just just kidding in the, on the on the Kirk thing. But man, you're not Harris. allowed to cut the just kidding, Jay. <laughs> Chris Corso finally Chris Corso finally made a lighthearted con- a comment about Kirk. Keep it, frame it, put it. That's, uh, can you work that into our intro from now on, Jay? <laughs> he was so quick to say he was kidding. I love it. I love All it. All jokes aside. Hold on. I have, to call, I have to call Mark Rosen to see if he'll call Kirk Cousins to tell him what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Mark- what you're saying. It's, it's, you're exactly right, Chris. I think exactly what you're saying is he's, he was just the sort of player that people gravitated to. He, had, he carried himself in a way – both with his actions and his words because he would teach young players and he would help them grow. And then he was the first one to be barking out positives and hype to everybody around him. As he always says, if you want it, go get it. That was his thing. He said it before every game, said it in every huddle, and he would have 54 guys around him screaming it after he screamed it. So 
that that's you can summarize his career up with that well we wish him a lot of luck uh i'm sad to see him go i understand how football works uh, i hope he has an amazing season with the exception of november 22nd which honestly you can have a fine game go ahead have have a fine game do all right but i just need you to maybe you know take it a little easy uh there has been a lot of talk guys about Gary Kubiak taking over the offensive coordinator duties. And I don't mean just from us. You know, it seems to be one of, when you watch nationally, it seems to be one of the main things that gets discussed over and over and over again. And so rather than just kind of talking about, well, it's going to be a lot of what they did last year, even though Stefanski was there, I thought maybe we could take a little bit of a deeper look at what that means for this team, given Gary's career and his trends as an actual offensive coordinator, right? So he, he spent 11 seasons in Denver, uh, 95 to 2005, and a season in Baltimore uh, as a coordinator. Pretty impressive, pretty consistently. And I'm going I'm to puke a couple of these out here. Top five in the NFL in total yards, eight of 12 seasons. Top five in the NFL in total points, eight of 12 seasons. What does that say to you, Jay? That to me means that... Uh, By the way, that was the worst Fox Sports ESPN question <laughs> of all time. Jay, what if I just say some stuff and then you tell me what you think of that stuff? Right back to you, Jay. We're, uh, we're, we're live on 680, 680 AM here on The Score. I felt like I could uh, Jim Rome that and just yell at you, rack them. Uh, Top five in total yards and top five in total points. That means that Gary likes to absolutely get after it on offense. And the way that he's typically been doing this, everyone talks about the running game. He had some illustrious guys and he has had some run of the mill guys on an average year. But at the same point, what it means is it doesn't matter who he has back there. His offensive play calling has helped get top talent and top notch production every single year, year in and year out. And being top five in the league for those eight out of 12 seasons, not only in yards, but points, that means that this Vikings offense is potentially due for an absolutely monster season. Well, and, and you know, I, I think what I was getting at when I asked a really terrible question was, I think the thing that's interesting is everybody thinks of running. You hit it on the head. When they think of Gary Kubiak, they think of rushing offense and, and play action passes. And when you think of those things, I don't think you necessarily think points and yards. But here we are, eight out of 12 seasons, he's been in the top five of both of those, which I, I find super interesting. That just means that they're executing. You know, you can, you can try and run over and over and over again, but if you're hit, getting stoned at the line every single time, then you're not going anywhere. But that means that he is putting guys in position on offense and, and getting the matchups that he wants to not only attempt all of those total yards and total points for the rushing attempts and passing attempts, but he's actually executing and those offenses are making it work. So there's been a lot of discussion over the last couple of years when you've seen a lot of teams, including a team that we lost to last year in the Niners, put players in certain matchups in certain situations in order to execute. And it feels like that's the trend that Gary's offense have had in the past. Well, and, and Lindsay, you know, another one of those numbers is he was top four in NFL or top four in the NFL in rushing attempts, six out of 12 seasons. And it's, it's important to note that sometimes that was with Terrell Davis and Clinton Portis. And other times it was with 
guys like Olandis Gary and Ruben Drones, you know? So he's a guy that's going to run with no matter who's back there. And that's good news because we have a stud who's back there, but he's also not always on the field. And we have a hell of a backup behind him. So I, I think that feels like something that I want to grip pretty hard to in terms of positivity walking into a Gary Kubiak season. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the point that Jay made where sometimes they've been these flashy guys that names that you're going to remember for, you know, years on end and sometimes they're not. I think that just goes to prove that he knows how to work with those players, um, like he said, and how to create matchups. And, you know, I think he just said a, a few weeks ago too when he was asked about Delvin, you know, that – he likes running backs. He likes his running backs. So um, whether that's Delvin, whether that's Alexander Madison, who, you know, I think had an awesome rookie season last year, whether coming in for Delvin during a game or, you know, if it was a, a game that Delvin was sidelined and then even Mike Boone too, or Amir Abdullah, like they've come in in certain situations um, and been really effective. So I feel like coach Kubiak knows what situations to plug, which guys into to make that work. Chris. Yeah, I think you list all these stats, and the most amazing thing to me is that he has a few Super Bowl rings as well. And then in his press conference this week, he talks about how he learned from Kevin Stefanski. Like, he is the most humble uh, personality that I've ever seen with this kind of resume for him to say, oh, I'm just kind of getting in the groove. I've been writing in my sketchbook plays all, all offseason just to get back to play calling. Like, He's just a, a casual guy. He's calm. He's cool, collected. I love the fact that he's that humble. And he could say, oh, yeah, I learned a ton from Kevin Stefanski last year. He's a really – like, having worked at the facility for the first time last year, he was, like, one of my favorite people to see at the facility because he's just a really interesting, like, casual dude. All of a sudden, you're in the cafeteria – he strolls in there by himself in basketball shorts and a hoodie, just meh, 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 puts his puts his stuff on his he, he just has a very calming vibe to him. He seems – so that doesn't surprise me at all, Chris, just watching the way he behaves as a human. I'm, I'm not in the FBI as a behavioral analyst, but he, he has a very easy way about him. And, you know, I think a lot of people are hoping that translates – and continues to help the starting quarterback. Obviously, he spent a lot of time with John Elway, you know. Uh, but the one that's interesting to me that no one really talks about is that 2014 year. Uh, Joe Flacco, who – Joe Flacco, I feel like in a lot of fans and media's eyes, is a little bit of a polarizing guy. There were people who thought he was the next big thing. There were people who, who think he's elite. We've all heard that quote. Uh, a bunch of times and heard people make fun of it. And, and then there were, there were people who, uh, you know, didn't necessarily have the highest expectations and belief in him, but Kubiak's one year there, he puts up a, and again, this, this Baltimore was, is traditionally and thoroughly a defense and running based football team throughout its history. And he put out uh, a career high, 27 touchdowns, 3000, 986 yards passing, and it was a team record for points for the Ravens that year with 409. The, one of the similarities uh, Kirk has with Flacco, Flacco was one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, and you hear guys like Justin Jefferson and Tajay Sharp compliment Kirk on his deep ball. You know, I'm really hoping that what happened with Flacco, where you, you got his best year maybe, 
out of Kubiak that you can take a guy in Kirk who's been good for us and we get his best year. We get his best couple years is my hope, Lindsay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Um, and I think just the fact that even though – Obviously, Coach Kubiak, this is his first year as, as OC, and you know, it'll be the first year that his voice is in Kirk's helm. The fact that he was with us last year working with Kevin Stefanski and the fact that he had such a big influence on the offense, I mean, you combine that continuity just with Kubiak's style, his coaching style, um, and even just his personality as well. And I think you know, that's, that means big things for Kirk. Jay? Absolutely. That was kind of my thought with this one, too. You know, when I saw that Flacco stat and you start looking through those numbers, one of the things that that does is it helps take the pressure off the defense. And part of that is because that means that offensively they are controlling the clock, they're controlling the ball. And then when the defense does get on the field defensively, they already know that they've got a lead that they can protect or they don't, it doesn't have to always be on them. So for a guy like Kirk, if Kirk is able to come in here and as we talked about last week on the podcast, if the offense is catching up to the defense, as far as strength, I think having a guy like Kirk come in and if he can put up something like these numbers of 27 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards passing, that means that this Vikings team on, especially an offense is, is poised for serious success. And that would mean in my eyes, that would mean they are an absolute contender to make a deep run in the playoffs going through the season. Let's talk, uh, let's step away from the Vikings for a minute and then we'll step right back to close the show. Cause there's two Two things that I want to talk about NFL related. The first is tight ends got paid. Uh, 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 George Kittle got 75 million, I believe, Chris, right? Over five years from the 49ers. Travis Kelsey gets 57 uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I have a couple of questions, but I'm going to start with the most basic sports analyst question of all time. One season, if, if, if you had one of those guys for just this season, who are you going with, Chris? I am 100% switching those numbers around and going with Travis Kelsey. I think he is the best tight end pound for pound in the NFL now. Um, I have a lot of respect for what George Kittle does in that 49ers offense and all the different ways they use him. Uh, but Travis Kelsey, the Super Bowl winning Travis Kelsey, is who I go with. Jay? I am on the exact same train there with Corso. Uh, main reason being a uh, little stat here. It says since Kittle's rookie season in 2017, Kelsey's had 3,603 yards and 23 touchdowns. Kittle has had 2,945 yards and 12 touchdowns. So basically for the two of them, they are neck and neck. And Kittle's yards per reception is 13.6. Kelsey's 12.7. For me, the extra 650 yards or so, and almost double the touchdowns. I got to go with Travis Kelsey in that time. Lindsay, you get to you get the final say. Hey, you guys. I don't know if it's just because I'm a homer. Just be, I mean, first of all, it is because I'm a homer, so I have a hard time even you know thinking outside of our roster. But I have to like be the good Midwestern girl and go with George Kittle. Like I love his athleticism. I love what he does on the field. Um, and like I said, I mean, the guy's from Madison, Wisconsin. He played college football at Iowa. Um, so maybe I'm a little biased on that, but I'd rather have George Kittle. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm on, the, I'm on the, the Kittle side of things, especially because I watched Travis Kelsey's reality show when it was out, and it's hard to come back from that, guys. Um, <laughs> but they're both fantastic football players. I, 
the, one of my favorite storylines that I'm looking forward to this year is, is how the Vikings tight end position comes together under Kubiak. And I, you know, cause I think a lot of people had a lot of really high expectations for Irv Smith that, you know, given how the tight end position works, I think we're a little tough, a little out of line, a little hard to live up to. And I still think he had a great rookie season, but this, this is the year this is the year where I think we could be sitting at week eight going, oh, what, look at what Irv Smith is doing. And I'll be interesting to see how that meshes with already having one fantastic tight end and how it comes together underneath Kubiak, Chris. Yeah, we saw Kyle Rudolph really buy in to the fact that he was going to be a block first sort of uh, tight end last year and that's how it was at the beginning of the season until Adam Thielen got hurt and that's when we really started to see Rudolph start putting up those touchdown numbers and, and obviously what he did at the end of the the Saints playoff game put him right back in the middle of the Vikings offense but for me I'm looking I've said it numerous times on this podcast we've talked to Gary Kubiak we've heard what he says he says we're giving a little more to Irv we're giving him a little more a little more of the offense He's, he knows a little more of the verbiage I think by mid-season, there could be a good chance that Irv Smith, we won't put him number one on the depth chart, but I think he'll be number one in in, re- in receptions out of the tight end position for the Vikings. Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I feel like um, Irv and Kyle are such different types of tight ends and both really successful in what they do. I mean, I think Chris makes a super good point about um, Kyle buying in and kind of embracing the role that he was given to start the season last year um, with, with that extra load of blocking than he's had in the past. Um, but then he's always the kind of the go-to guy in those tight windows. You know, he's got probably the best hands on the team maybe in making some of those catches. Um, And the good thing is, is that I think we're going to see a lot of plays this year where Kyle and Irv are both on the field at the same time. I'm going to actually pull up a tweet here that, that Eric Smith posted earlier this week. I can't take credit for, for reading these stats last year, uh, Kirk with two tight ends on the field, he completed 87 of 119 passes for 815 yards. Um, he had nine touchdowns on those plays when there were two tight ends on the field and a rating of 109.8. So I feel like we'll see a lot of that with Kubiak, um, a lot of two or three tight end sets, um, that larger personnel. And I'm excited for it because I think we've got the guys to do it. Let's uh, let's change courses here. Change courses? Is that a sentence? Course, change directions? Change courses. I'm such a smart person who uses words, guys. Uh, the Seahawks have waived uh, rookie, I'm sorry if I butcher this, Kima Sivaran for trying to sneak a female visitor into a team hotel. Couple things here. One, come on, dude. We all want football. Stop messing around. Two, I love that the league is taking it seriously. I love – I mean, I knew they would. We all knew they would. Uh, he has been waived. I, I think it sends the right message. I think there is – too many people are too invested and care too much about these players and these teams that I, I just love. Uh, you know, I, I, hope, I hope he gets a chance to redeem himself at some point. I don't wish negativity on anybody's career by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm happy to see – NFL teams taking it very seriously. And uh, secondly, he tried to dress her up like a fellow player. He put her in Seahawks gear. Like somebody would be like, oh, yeah, this is one of our cornerbacks. And uh, that's a gutsy call. That is a very gutsy call, Jay. 
That is one of those situations where it is a hundred percent the head slapper. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do here? You know, given what you said, the league is taking this stuff seriously, but listen, teams do not want distractions period, especially during training camp when they're just trying to get everything on the same page and, and be able to function in a month. But this is one of those situations where you doing this now, like that is insane to me that you're even going to attempt this given what teams in the league are going through they're not putting up with anything. So to have not only say, forget being at home, but the fact you're trying to sneak somebody into camp or onto like a a team facility that just blows my mind that he was that gutsy to try to do something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it is lunacy. Uh, let's, uh, we're obviously, you know, making a little light of that. So I want to, I want to change the tone. Because we do, we do have a Viking who was involved in a scary COVID situation. Cam Smith, fifth-round pick in 2019. Uh, you know, he, it, was, it was disclosed upon further testing due to a positive COVID diagnosis that he will need to go, uh, undergo open-heart surgery to fix something that I can't pronounce. Who wants to give it a whirl? Jay, go ahead there, medical man. Bicuspid aortic valve issues. That is how you pronounce it, Jay. And it's obviously, it's not, it's not a result of the COVID, but, and, you know, fortunate, uh, you know, it sucks to have COVID, but that's how it was discovered. And uh, so he, you know, he will undergo open heart surgery. And I, just a big shout out to Cam for his upcoming journey. And, you know, we really, we're all rooting for him and we hope he gets back as soon as possible. Uh, guys, let's, let's run down here kind of what the next few days are going to look like because I think for a lot of fans it hasn't really felt like football has officially started even though we know it started and we're talking about it but you know it's there's no media there's no fans you can't really see what's going on you're grabbing onto every piece of information that is about to change Lindsay tomorrow the media is let in right yeah so uh, Friday will be the first open practice to media Um, and I'm excited just to you know see our guys out there again and to kind of feel a little bit of of sense of normalcy I guess you can say because you know even for us at this point we've been watching a lot of highlights watching the social media clips the awesome stuff that VEN puts together but um, I'm excited for media to have the opportunity to get an inside look again and give some fans more information. Absolutely and then Chris Monday is the first padded practice. Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Pete Bursich, uh, Greg Coleman, they will all be on hand to let the Vikings fans know what's going on at the first padded practice. Obviously the first year that fans cannot attend the Vikings Verizon uh, training camp, so this will be a cool thing that will be on um, the radio on KFAN as well as on TV on KMSP. Um, Fox 9, so a lot of uh, ways to watch, listen, and take in the first padded practice at Verizon Vikings training camp. Absolutely, and the Vikings Entertainment Network will also be broadcasting and covering the action on their various platforms, Vikings.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those places. It is Monday, August 17th from 2.15 p.m. to 3.45 p.m., And now let's go around the virtual room and uh, let's get final thoughts here. Lindsay, we'll start with you. Couple of fun days coming up. You and you and Craig Peters and Eric Smith are continuing uh, all of your cool stuff on Vikings.com that everybody should read. But what are you and what should Viking fans be most paying attention to over the next few days? 
I think what I'm really looking forward to is we actually rolled something out today on different um, position battles to keep an eye on here during camp. Um, and over these next few days and next week when they get into padded practices, I think you're going to have a better idea of some of those things. Um, and I'm especially looking forward to just seeing how the cornerback position shakes out. Um, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to people, of course, that there's opportunities there for the taking. Um, but I'm just interested to see who ends up on the outside who they end up putting in at nickel because that position is essentially being completely retooled this season. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Chris Corso, please don't use the last few minutes to apologize again for your Kirk Cousins joke in the middle of the show. Go ahead. Anything else? Any other final thoughts other than another I'm sorry? I'm not going near the quarterback position. What I'm looking at is the offensive line position and the most exciting player at that position, I believe, is Ezra Cleveland. I think he has the body build at 6'6", 315 pounds to be the left tackle of the future. The question is, will he do it this year and move Riley Reef to the inside at left guard instead of that left tackle? So watch out for Ezra Cleveland. The question is, will he do it? Jay Nelson, your final thoughts. I'm going to go with the uh, hot topic du jour trifecta here and hit the defensive line. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. You guys are so boring. I'm going to cut this segment. You guys, the three of you, I was like, give me something fun. And you were all like, what about a nap that we've all already talked about? But go ahead, Jay. Drop, Drop the defensive line on me. I can't wait to hear about it. Well, the defensive line are the guys that sit right by the ball and they end up trying to stop the guys from running at them. Uh, the defensive line guys, the same thing we've been talking about the last two weeks. I've been harping on it. I know I'm a broken record, just like you said. Uh, but seeing guys like Afadi and Armin Watts and Jaleel Johnson be able to step up here and try to fill some big shoes, given all of the news that's been happening and even the stuff we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. I want to see how those guys start to gel. I want to see how those guys fill in those gaps. And I want to see what these rookies that have come in, if they're able to you know, make some splash plays and, and really stand out. Because if they are, and you're able to get some good depth there on that defensive line, that is going to be a huge, huge hole that the, this team has to fill this season. And it's going to be a, a big test for this Vikings defense moving forward. All joking aside, you guys all did a fantastic job today. And this show would be trash without you because it would just be me rambling into the microphone and Chris uh, regretting his Kirk Cousins joke. Uh, thank you guys <laughs> for showing up. Fans, thank you for listening. Check out all the Vikings coverage you could possibly want on Vikings.com and all our social media platforms. And we will see you guys next week.